0: Good morning, my little buddies and constant companions of the Healthy Steps Radio Show, and thank you for keeping your radio dial tuned to WMNF Tampa. Being with you, my dear listeners, is as sweet as being with my best friends and listening to soft jazz in the park on a cool summer evening. And, of course, this is what you came for. Welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. Today, he's joined by Dr. Richard Horowitz, the global expert on Lyme disease and author of Why Can't I Get Better?, He's here today to discuss finding Lyme disease and dealing with the chronic Lyme disease symptoms. You are encouraged to participate today by calling 813-239-9663. Greg is in the control room waiting for your call. You can also send us emails to dj at wmnf.org You can text us at 813-433-0885. Well, welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show, Dr. Horowitz. Let me step out of the way and let the good Dr. Harvey introduce you and start the show. And of course, good morning to you, Dr. Harvey. I know that from some of our listeners' feedback, there is a great deal of interest in today's topic. So let me step back behind the curtain and let you lead the show.
1: Take it away. Once again, Bill, thank you for that lovely introduction. And... Um uh, yes, I'm really excited today. Uh, I have known uh, Richard Horowitz for, oh, I think it's close to a decade. We met on one of my peak uh, uh, career experiences, the uh, advisory board to the nutraceutical company, Zymogen. Uh, Rich has been a publisher of two books. He asked me to uh, help edit one of them. I was really, really uh, honored to help him do that. Um, and the two books are Why Can't I Get Better and How Can I Get Better, all about Chronic Lyme from a functional medicine perspective. And, you know, he's done some really brilliant stuff. Uh, He's published some peer reviewed articles uh, about a clinically validated questionnaire about a concept called MSIDS, which he's going to go into here. And he's a really popular lecturer in both functional and traditional circles. And he's been for many years an advisor to Health and Human Services and our government on Lyme and uh, tick-borne diseases. He's treated over 13,000 patients with chronic Lyme over 30 years. And I got to tell you, I got to read this because it's so cool. Um, a quote from the foreword of his book, Why Can't I Get Better? This is a book about diagnosing and treating Lyme and other tick-borne infections. But it is also a book about hope. Hope is a central human emotion, misunderstood and often mistaken for optimism. As Jerome Groupman reminds us in The Anatomy of Hope. Having true hope, he contends, is not just about holding an unrealistic, rosy prospect for the future. It is not just think positive. Rather, hope is a it's clear, it's true help in seeing a viable route out of the darkness while acknowledging that obstacles the obstacles that might impede your journey. This is from Phyllis R. Freeman, who he helped get over Lyme. So, welcome, Rich. Glad you're here. This is really exciting. Yeah, glad to be here, Fred. It's good to connect again. Yes. Yeah, so, why why Lyme and tick-borne illnesses? What is there something that we're we're you know we should all be aware of? It's not really current popular knowledge. Like, or, or what's going on here?
2: You know, Lyme is much worse than people realize. There was just an article published about four months ago in uh, BMJ Global Health that 14.5% of the global population now has been exposed to Lyme disease. So if you take 14.5% of, you know, eight, what are we up to eight billion at this point, I think. Um, you, you're talking, you know, probably about at least a billion people on the planet right now have Lyme. And th- those numbers are probably higher because when they figure out the numbers, they use a testing system called the two tiered test, which misses about half of them. So, you know, approximately one out of three people walking around now may have Lyme. And the problem is, is it looks like long COVID. It looks yeah. like chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis. It looks like fibromyalgia. So you have to be careful and really understand how to diagnose it properly.
1: It's pretty amazing. We are dealing, um, and and it's it, what what's amazing to me is that we're not seeing traditional medicine talk about this. We functional doctors are talking about these pandemics that are going on. Why, but why are we seeing more tick illness? What's going on here? I think some of it relates to climate change. What we're now seeing with the um, global
2: raise in temperatures is that the insect population's reproductive rates goes up as we see global warming. So, for example, ticks, mosquitoes, and fleas, their reproductive rates are directly linked to the temperatures, the ambient temperatures around them. So what they're finding is the ticks are now coming out three weeks earlier. They used to come out in May. They're now coming out in April. Uh, they're finding that they're lasting longer in the season. So um definitely there's, there's a relationship with climate change, with both the type of ticks that are expanding and the numbers that people are exposed to,
1: yeah, it's really amazing. And I know uh, I'm from Pennsylvania, and and for years uh, Pennsylvania's uh, uh, Game Commission managed the deer herds, but I think they've managed them into overpopulation. And, and because there are no longer mountain lions eating the deers, and and many fewer bears, so there's really uh, an overpopulation of deer, and they carry these ticks, so that contributes too. Um, what, um, you mentioned something interesting that you say that this chronic Lyme problem, I mean, there's a difference between acute Lyme disease and chronic Lyme disease, and you can treat a tick bite that looks like it's an acute infection. And what, what are you seeing in your practice up in Northern New York? How often are we getting over acute Lyme and how often is it going into the chronic thing?
2: You know, in my, in my practice, I don't really see too much acute Lyme anymore. We do see it from time to time, but most of the 13,000 cases that I've treated are all chronically ill people. Uh, some of them have been sick for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. My wife, for example, was sick for 25 years and now she's four years in full remission with one of the new protocols that I published a couple of years back uh, called double-dose Dapsone. And um, so, you know, we're making headway with it. But the issue in the medical literature right now is the controversies over how to treat chronic Lyme disease. You know, is it a chronic infection? It's very similar to the controversies they have with long COVID at this point. Um, yes. And the MCIDS model that you were discussing earlier, MSIDS stands for Multiple Systemic Infectious Disease Syndrome, it's a 16 point map that I found that no matter what your illness, your chronic illness, uh, if you're tired, if you have aches and pains, if you have headaches, if you have cognitive issues with brain fog and your memory's not working, you can't fall asleep, you keep waking up, you're anxious, you're depressed. Um, this model generally will find out why you are sick and give you some clues where you can work with your healthcare practitioner to get on the right track.
1: Yeah, you really said something uh, interesting, though, about the the uh in one of your uh, talks and also in publication i believe about it being the great imitator um when i was in med school and you were in med school we, we called syphilis the great imitator <laughs> it showed up as all kinds of things so how is it that what well, like what kind of symptoms are you seeing between lyme chronic fatigue gulf war syndrome uh post covid what's what's uh, uh going on there that you're seeing because a crossover So all of
2: these diseases that you mentioned, long COVID, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, uh, chronic Lyme disease, they all share the same symptoms that they're a chronic fatiguing, musculoskeletal, neuropsychiatric illness. So these are the people that come in with uh, chronic fatigue. They've got aches and pains. But the hallmark of Lyme that allows you to differentiate it from uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis, fibro and long COVID is the aches and pains migrate around your body. So if you're someone that has aches and pains where one day it's in your shoulder and two days later it's in your knees and three days later, uh, you know, it's in your elbows, that's Lyme. Lyme is one of the few diseases that causes migratory pain and not just joint pain, but migratory muscle pain and migratory nerve pain, tingling, numbness, stabbing, uh, burning sensations that move around the body. So if you have that migratory component, you know that there's a very high likelihood you're going to have Lyme. And the questionnaire that we validated about five, six years ago with the State University of New Paltz, um, it was in 1,600 people. And we validated it so that if you take a score on this questionnaire and you're above 63, you have a very high probability of having Lyme. And people can find the questionnaire and download it off of my website, www.cangetbetter.com. Just go under symptoms. And you'll see the PDF and you can just download it, take the questionnaire, bring it to your healthcare provider um, and show it to them.
1: Yes, that's a brilliant questionnaire. I use it for my patients all the time. You mentioned something else interesting. You see, you've talked about one, that migratory pain. What are the six signs that you can mention that your aches might be Lyme? So
2: in, in Lyme disease, one of the hallmarks of this disease is the symptoms tend to come and go. You have good and bad days. Um. It migrates, as I said. Women will notice right around their menstrual cycle, right before, during, or after that the symptoms get a lot worse. Uh, Whenever the estrogen goes down, that's when the bugs, the spirochetes like to come out. And you'll also find with this disease that it's multisystemic. So generally, it's not just a swollen joint, although it can be. And then you'll see if you happen to have taken an antibiotic, you'll either feel worse or you feel better. If you feel better, it's because the antibiotic is knocking down the load of the bacteria. But if you feel worse and some doctors think, oh, you had an adverse reaction, it's actually what's called a Herxheimer reaction. You're killing off the spirochetes and you get an inflammatory reaction with what are called inflammatory cytokines. Now, in the COVID literature, um, I happen to have published the first worldwide literature review on glutathione for COVID. We published it in April 2020, and the reason we knew to use glutathione in COVID was because when I looked at the inflammation in COVID, it was exactly the same inflammatory molecules with C in Lyme. So since I'd been treating Lyme patients for over 30 years, we knew how to block the inflammatory pathways using things like uh, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, alpha-lipoic acid, glutathione. They block a switch called NF-kappa B, or we lowered inflammation through a pathway called um the NRF2 pathway with curcumin, turmeric, broccoli seed extract, um, green tea, resveratrin, and finally, uh, melatonin blocks the third pathway called the NLRP3 inflammasome. So there's a lot of natural supplements we've used mm-hmm. apart from using medications like ivermectin or Paxlovid. We have not had one death in our patient population with COVID and only two hospitalizations in the last three years. So uh, even though we don't have a randomized trial on this protocol, and I've been trying to do one actually through the University of California, Irvine, uh, we have one scheduled for long COVID. I can say from my own experience that blocking inflammation early
1: in the illness, it does seem to make a difference uh, in patients' outcomes. That is so crucial. I agree. Um, and I have another question for you. But first, I want to remind everybody that we are on WMNF 88.5 FM Tampa. And um, this is a show that um, is about questions. And so I'm going to ask all you folks out there in listener land to dial in 813-239-9663 to call and talk with us. You can email DJ at WMNF.org. Or if you feel like texting 813-433-0885. And so Yes, come on, give us a call and uh, let's talk about this very important topic. Um, So yeah, you made some really interesting crossover connections there. And so what is it that makes these um, and related illnesses like long COVID different from our traditional model of looking at acute infection and even looking at autoimmune illnesses? There's There's a difference here, isn't there?
2: So in long COVID, they've discovered, interestingly enough, and and again, we have a randomized trial we're waiting upon at the University of California, Irvine, to look at the MSIDs model, the 16-point model for long COVID. And so far, what they've discovered is that long COVID has five of the 16 points on the MSIDs map. So what are those points? The virus can persist in some people, just like in Lyme, we will see uh, in some individuals, Borrelia, which is the bug that causes Lyme, it persists in the body. They also see reactivation of infection. We see that in Lyme with mm-hmm. Epstein-Barr, herpes virus 6, uh, Bartonella, Babesia. They're seeing that in COVID now with Epstein-Barr. Mm-hmm. We see autoimmunity in both Lyme and in long COVID. We see POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's where the inflammation affects the part of your body called the autonomic nervous system that controls your blood pressure, your heart rate, your bladder, and your bowel. That mm-hmm. happens in long covid that happens in Lyme. Um, So we're seeing a lot of overlaps in these diseases, including mitochondrial dysfunction, where you get all this oxidative stress, all this inflammation from Lyme or from COVID. It damages the parts of your cells called the mitochondria, which are the main energy production centers of the body. And then you get these chronic fatiguing illnesses with neurological symptoms. So, you know, in long COVID and in chronic Lyme, we're seeing a lot of overlap actually in the etiology so far that's coming out in the medical literature. And that's why I suggest using the 16 point MSIDS model for these chronic fatiguing illnesses. Cause I mm-hmm. think the model basically has something to offer no matter, you know, what you're calling the disease, whether it's fibro, chronic fatigue, long COVID, chronic Lyme. The model seems to offer something to most people to at least give you, you know, a chance to figure out why you're sick and what you can do about it.
1: I agree. and you know, I've been um I loved your sixteen points um uh, and the M- SIds and and all of these um approaches. i mean your your book um uh, why can't I Get Better is like a textbook of functional medicine. When you go through that, you can apply this from my perspective to any illness uh, that shows up in the office because it covers it all, and it's it's a concept that I've been, you know, really working on, I think that what I see in my practice is that toxicity is present causing inflammation and inflammation is present causing toxicity. It's like toxic inflammation. It goes back and forth. And if we don't deal with all sides of it, then we don't get better. And I think you would probably agree with this. This is why we're seeing... You know, not everybody gets super ill with a Lyme infection or any of these. We see that there's a select group of people that are getting really bad COVID. They get chronic, the long COVID. They they die from it. What's the, why is it some people do poorly and some people don't?
2: What they showed with COVID early on, and this is when we published our glutathione article, is that glutathione is the major antioxidant in the body. So it's really the master antioxidant. In the lung tissue, there's 140 times more glutathione in your lung than any place else in the body. So if you are someone who, for example, is dealing with heavy metals, you're dealing with mold toxins, which is pretty much the majority of my practice, and you're using up your glutathione to deal with these environmental toxins… Then when you get a virus like COVID that's affecting the lung, and again, it was worse with Delta and Alpha early on in the pandemic, the the latest versions with Omicron and uh, the BA 1.1, the ones that are going around now, it's not quite as bad unless you get RSV and some of these other infections that go in the lung. But if you don't have enough glutathione in your lung tissue that oxidative stress and inflammation damages the tissue. And that's why they're seeing on CAT scans, all these people showing up with um, inflammation, with damage to the lungs. And we've reversed some of this. I mean, it's anecdotal. I've not published a lot of this, but we've had doctors come to me with changes on their x-rays during COVID. We gave them two grams of glutathione up to three times per day for 14 days with NAC, alpha lipoic acid, all the supplements, which by the way, again, if you go on cangetbetter.com, under COVID and you look up prevention treatment, you'll see what we've been doing for our patients. I've had physicians who were sick on the front lines in the emergency room, unable to work after two mm-hmm. weeks on that protocol. They were back to work and their chest X-rays cleared. So, you know, we really need randomized trials on these supplements. And I I recently wrote an op-ed for the New York Times about this, that the Office of Alternative Medicine at the NIH has really taken a back seat to the pharmaceutical companies during COVID. It's all been about vaccines, which are fine, but a million Americans died, right? We couldn't right. wait a year and a half, two years to get a vaccine. They had nothing to treat these chronically ill patients, which was horrible for physicians on the front line. Fortunately for us, I knew with chronic Lyme how to treat inflammation, I applied that same knowledge to COVID, and we ended up having some really great results in these patients. That's why I've encouraged people to do these randomized trials.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's really important to get this out there because we have tools that work. I mean, I have had uh, no one die in the practice from the from COVID. One fellow actually got COVID, did well, and then somebody convinced him to get a shot, and he died three weeks later from um, pulmonary fibrosis that happened like instantly. And there's another evidence that, you know, it's, it's the antioxidant status. It's the actual, as, as, uh, um, um, Pasteur and friends would say, it's the terrain. It's not the bacterium. So our terrain is the problem. And we have, we're, we're kind of an interesting species that we kind of defecate where we eat and where we sleep. And we can't even see it because it's invisible toxins. Um, and this is a show of engagement. And we have somebody finally on the line, uh, Devin. Devin, are you there? Uh, you, this is Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Okay. So they gave me De- Devin on on my feed. Uh, 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 hey, Dennis, how are you? Um,
3: I've been better. Uh, I've been suffering from chronic Lyme for about 18 years. Um, I have not taken antibiotics for it. I've been using um, a variety of natural therapies with uh, varying effectiveness. Uh, one new symptom has come about in the in the past six months um which is neuro i think it's neurological in nature i hadn't had uh, any symptoms like this previously but um it happens to be a, a impaired dexterity in my right hand and just the overall sluggishness on the right side like my right arm and my right leg feel droopy; they feel sluggish and uh it's uh it's concerning me quite a bit and uh, i was just wondering if um if this is something that's more related to pathogens or whether it's related to toxicity um, or something else and, and if it's uh, reversible once the, uh, you know, once the appropriate remedy is found, you know, whether it be you know, getting rid of pathogens or, or something of that nature.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so Dennis, what I found, first of all, you're describing a symptom that I see in my practice all the time, which is one side of the body can be affected by Lyme. In fact, we see this quite often. Um, because you've not done any treatments, I will just tell you there is a very short-term antibiotic protocol that I published in the literature. Uh, it's called Dapsone combination therapy. And my wife was sick for 25 years. And she's now four years in full remission. This is a, a two-month protocol. It's eight weeks. And it's oral generic antibiotics. It's not IV. What they've discovered in the last seven, eight years through the universities like John Hopkins, uh, Stanford, University of New Haven, is that Borrelia burgdorferi, the organism that causes Lyme, is now being found in biofilms in what are called persister forms. These persister forms uh, can be dormant in the body, but they cause inflammation. They're like tuberculosis and leprosy, which are also persisters. So with dapsone combination therapy, and you can find it online if you do a PubMed search, and you just put in Horowitz, comma, dapsone combination therapy, comma, PubMed, uh, the article that I published on that, which has the entire protocol your doctor could use, was published in the journal Antibiotics in 2020, two years ago. We're finding it's extremely effective if people do not have Babesia or Bartonella. Uh, Those are the two co-infections. So uh, do you have any day sweats, night sweats, chills, flushing, air hunger, can't catch your breath, or a cough? Do you have any of those symptoms? No, not really. All right, so Babesia is not going to be as likely. Bartonella, though, is the co-infection that a lot of my Lyme patients do have. We find it in anywhere between 50 to 70%. There is a very good test if you work with a functional medicine doctor. It's called the Igenix uh, Lyme uh, Immunoblot and Bartonella Immunoblot, Bartonella FISH. FISH stands for Fluorescent in C2 Hybridization. It's an RNA test to see if you have Bartonella. If you don't have Bartonella and all of the factors on the MCIDS map, Fred was describing inflammation that comes from, for infa- example, infections, Babesia, Bart, Uh, And Lyme, but it also comes from microbiome abnormalities, leaky gut and food Mm -hmm. sensitivities, mast cell disorder, toxins like heavy metals and mold, not getting to sleep, which is a problem in Lyme patients or mineral deficiencies like zinc. If your doctor goes through all the sources of inflammation... And deals with the downstream effects, which in men, a lot of times we see low testosterone, we see low adrenal function, uh, we see POTS, low blood pressure. If your doctor has gone through the 16-point MSIDS model and he's basically taking care of all of these overlapping factors, eight weeks of double-dose Dapsone may be able to clear up that what you're describing on the right side of your body. Um, if personally, if I had chronic Lyme at this point, I'd be going through the MSIDS model uh, doing the eight-week Dapsone. And if Bart was present, we're now working on some new protocols. The last one I published about four months ago in the same journal antibiotics this year, 2022, uh, was about a four day, just four days of high dose dapsone for four days, cleared about one third of these patients with BART. So I'm constantly working on these very short term protocols. Um, and again, if you if you speak to your doctor about these, these are all published in the medical literature and they may be able to provide some help.
3: Okay, well, you know, from using the Rife machine, I've treated uh, with uh, frequencies for Bartonella, and, uh, and I have gotten some Herxheimer reactions, uh, you know, after, after treating with those uh, specific frequencies for Bartonella. So I think the likelihood that I have it is, is high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Rife machines
2: do help people. The only thing that I find they can't do, and this is really crucial for people who are listening about Lyme disease, the biggest discovery we made in the last seven, eight years is these biofilms and persister forms. We thought years ago that the reason the Lyme persisted was what are called cystic forms or cell wall deficient forms. They have a lot of names, uh, S forms, L forms, uh, round body forms. We thought that's how it persisted. Now we know the biofilms, just like you go to the dentist to get the, uh, the plaque taken off of your teeth or you can't get to the bacteria, you have to open up the biofilms. To be able to get to these bacteria. So the Rife machines and a lot of these herbal treatments that are out there, they can be helpful. We we use them all the time, but you got to open up the biofilms and use persister medications. Right now, there's only two persister drugs, disulfiram, which is a very old drug from 70 years ago for alcoholics uh, to not drink alcohol. That was discovered by Stanford. It is not an antibiotic. And it does get rid of some of these symptoms in people and dapsone. Those are the only true drugs out there. So in any case, these are just suggestions you may want to discuss with your healthcare practitioner.
3: Uh-huh. I read so, an article not too long ago about uh, some research they were doing at Johns Hopkins University, and they found some essential oils that were actually effective in, uh, in going after these persister cells. I was wondering if the, if there's been any further developments on that or any news on that front.
2: So the ones that we use in the Dapsone protocol, if you read the article, those are the essential oils that come from Hopkins. They're basically cinnamon, clove, oregano oil. Those are the big ones that come out of the Hopkins research. We're also using peppermint oil. Uh, we use biocidin. It's a very good product that's been published in the literature for biofilms. Uh, there's a company, Nutramedics. they make a stevia compound. Uh, that's from the Cowden Protocol. They, they're they actually from Florida. Uh, Eva Shoppy's work shows that that helps with biofilm. So there, there's many biofilm agents out there, EDTA, Beluk, uh, Serapeptase. But the ones from Hopkins, cinnamon, clove, oregano oil, yes, we've we've used them. They are actually part of the Dapsone Protocol that I'm describing.
3: Are there any per- practitioners down in the Central Florida area that you're familiar with that um, that are well-versed on your protocols?
2: Um, you would have to check with my office. Um, the, the way to get in touch with, um, Heather from my office is Heather, H E A T H E R O, as an or, orza, Heather O at H V H A C dot com. Stands for Hudson Valley Healing Arts Center. We've trained about 200 healthcare practitioners in these newer protocols. Um, I know for a fact there are quite a few people from Florida we've trained. Uh, so uh, Heather could probably get you the names of people we've trained who could help you with this protocol.
3: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Horowitz.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Feel better. Okay,
1: thanks. Wonderful. Thanks, Dennis. So we have somebody else on the line, but I'm going ask Steve to wait for just a moment while I remind everyone that you can talk to Dr. Horowitz at 813-239-9663. And you can email us at dj at WMNF.org, and you can text 813-433-0885. This is WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa. And Steve, would you like to ask a question?
4: Yeah, first of all, thank you for having one of the most intelligent radio shows that one can find on the planet. There's thank you. There's too many people getting health information from the allopathic pharmaceutical complex and um, by listening to your show as well as researching on my own and being vegan and doing um, intense athletics and yoga um, I'm healthier at age 65 than most people at age 25 and it's not like a matter of pride it's a matter of following the science and the main reason I called today is I wanted to share with you and your listeners that for free on YouTube, a Stanford doctor named Dr. Andrew Huberman, that's H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N, is giving away medical school level seminars with the absolute latest science on almost every health and fitness topic you can imagine, from circadian sleep timing to uh, intermittent fasting, cold water immersion, dopamine boosting, weight loss, how to use caffeine without it killing you, how to beat addiction. This guy's a genius, and although he does have sponsor statements time-stamped in his long medical school-level videos, everything he tells you is not marked. None of what he tells you is marketing um, in his content. It's all the latest science, and it is so useful. I already was healthy, but once I started following his protocols um, and taking just a few of the supplements like Alpha GPC and um, uh, magnesium theonate and others that I'd never even heard of, I'm so healthy it's almost frightening.
1: Fantastic. So you're keeping the terrain in a place that you're not going to have problems with these chronic illnesses, we hope.
4: That's the thing that it makes me so sad when I go into pub- public places and see um, – see people who are sick, and because of their lifestyle choices, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, and I wish that everybody would have the love of themselves and their relatives and even the biosphere to maximize their health and fitness for ultimate enjoyment and to avoid all of these lifestyle-caused diseases that come from eating wrong, not exercising, not sleeping at the right time, etc., So that's Huberman Lab on YouTube. I'm sure when you look at it, you'll say, wow, this guy is giving away unbelievable stuff.
1: No doubt. Do you have anything to say about Lyme today or a question about it?
4: No, sir. Um, I do not. But I hope that um, Huberman has. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding. He does have several episodes about immune boosting and about fighting pernicious chronic things like Lyme.
1: Wonderful, Steve. Thanks for your health tips. Um, keep, your health keep healthy. Tips. You have a great show. Thank you. Have a great day. Take we care. have another caller on the line. Brian, how are you today?
5: Oh, I've been better. I was just listening to your, your show, and um, I I know that it was the uh, related to the Lyme um, uh, syndrome, but um, my issue is, uh, COVID related, I had, uh, contacted COVID back in August and after I got the COVID, all of a sudden I was struck with like severe arthritis, arthritis in my shoulders and my wrists, my hands, my fingers, my knuckles. And, um, you know, I get my healthcare to the VA and frankly, I mean, everything that they've been prescribing, it just doesn't work at all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually in quite a bit of pain, um, and I uh, was just wondering what your recommendations would be,
2: Brian. I have a quick question for you. Were you ill before you got COVID? Did you have any of these arthritic symptoms before, or fatigue, headaches, memory issues, or you were in in great health?
5: Well, I wouldn't say I was in great health. I mean, I was, you know, not bad for my age, and going to be 77 but I didn't actually have the arthritis uh, symptoms. Um, Now the VA took x-rays told me that I have some arthritis in my shoulders and my wrists and so forth which is typical for somebody my age but I never had any symptoms prior to contacting the COVID virus and um, I mean it's just you know I mean all they're doing is giving me painkillers and a Topical ointment that don't seem to help at all.
2: Is the pain is the pain migrating? Is it moving around with good and bad days?
5: No, it's not moving around. I I, I heard that part of with the Lyme um, disease uh, how it would migrate. No, it's it's primarily my shoulders, my wrists, my my hands and fingers and knuckles. <sighs>
2: Well, so again, with long COVID, um, they're still trying to figure out the causes of long COVID. And and in the literature, they do describe people that have come down with Arthritis, a lot of times what I've been seeing is that there's been reactivation of underlying infections when people have gotten COVID. So, uh, they have shown in some cases the virus can persist in parts of the body. Um, so there's a couple of people doing work on that using, uh, different types of antiviral drugs like Marivac, Pravastatin. Um, that's, there's, there's a doctor in Stanford, Dr. Bruce, who's been doing a lot of that work. But you may want to look again at the VA. This is not a normal workup they would do. But the MCIDS model, again, as I've said earlier, it's shown that you can get reactivation of infections when you get COVID or persistent viruses. So you might want to find out either through the VA system, if that's the main system you're working through, whether they can check you for Bartonella, where they can check you for Lyme. Now, the problem is through the VA system, they're going to use standard labs. Mm -hmm. There's over 30 different strains of Bartonella and in the U.S., over eight major strains of Borrelia, the organism that causes Lyme. Um, but because you would be over 65 in Medicare, uh, Medicare covers five of the testing that's done through Igenix Labs in California. So there's only a copay. There's no, there's no fee for it, essentially. So if your doctors were willing to use Igenix Laboratories in California, the name of the lab, Igenix, and I have no financial relationship with them, is I-G-E-N-E-X. You can get through Medicare... Five different tests with just a copay, I would order the Lyme Immunoblot, IgM IgG, the Bartonella Immunoblot, IgM IgG, and a Bartonella fish. Um, and again, there will there will be almost minimal cost to you to do this. It should be covered. And then have your doctors look at the autoimmune markers, which are showing up in long COVID. Have them check you for POTS dysautonomia. Are you, are you just having the the uh, joint pain? Or are you having fatigue, memory problems? Uh, oh, definitely. Uh, problems with really, taste taste or smell with the COVID? Really bad fatigue. I mean, I got no energy whatsoever.
5: And, uh, you know, shortness of breath and, you know, that
2: those symptoms. So on my website, again, if you go into the cangetbetter.com under COVID, you'll see there's a treatment protocol. Um, Some of the patients, I've only treated about eight or nine people with long COVID because most of my patients never got it. But right. we've been using a combination, and again, you'd need to get validation through your doctors, of using ivermectin, 0.2 milligrams per kilo. Uh, this has been medically, politically uh, a difficult drug to use because early on in the pandemic, Merck, this is an old Merck drug that's off patent, and there's many, many randomized trials that have shown that ivermectin is effective, but Merck was coming out with their new drug, uh, remdesivir and other ones. They basically said, Oh, ivermectin's not safe, it's people are getting it from you know horse ivermectin. It's not true at all. Um, Pierre Cory and many of the doctors out there have used it. I've used it, and I found that if you use it with the antioxidants and the treatments we've talked about on my website, and your doctors at the VA would look at POTS dysautonomia treating you from mitochondrial dysfunction, which is very likely the glutathione may help your lung function but these are things apart from the va you may need to get a functional medicine doc um you know like fred or myself or someone else who can be on board with your va doctors because these are things they may not have a lot of experience with but i would not give up hope because uh, some of these patients with long covid who get treated with these functional medicine protocols antivirals, antioxidants, glutathione, um, mitochondrial issues. L- you need to check your adrenals. If you're that tired, your adrenals may be shot. Your hormones may be off. These are all the things they may not be checking at the VA that need to be checked. And yeah. again, it's on the MSIDS model. It's part of the 16 point MSIDS, but you got to find the doctor who's interested, who's willing to do it for you.
5: Yeah, I mean, they, they they just do the, you know, the standard protocols. And like I said, I mean, you know, you know so far all they've given me is some acetamorphin and some uh, gabapentin for the pain and uh, a, a topical uh, lotion that doesn't seem to do much at all. The, uh, uh, Diclofenac sodium
1: yeah they' they're not they're not actually treating they're not actually treating the the root causes here and and Dr. Horowitz and I both agree that that core protocol that is on his site for uh, the the antioxidant and herbal combinations that step down inflammation are the same things that I've used. I have had no one really uh, significant go on. I, maybe, Eight uh, as as Richard did uh, go on to chronic uh, or long COVID because we've treated early with all these very good antioxidants and, um, uh, and herbal uh, phytochemicals that help the body go a different direction. So I would recommend you look at his site and see if that can make an improvement for you. And if not, then look for a functional medicine doctor. Um, you can contact ifm.org, the Institute for Functional Medicine. Many of the practitioners there. I mean, even in 2020, I. FM already had this protocol published on their website. So everybody's in u- functional medicine is using similar types of protocol approach and it's really stepping down the problem. Um, but if you don't get there, I'd say yes, see a doctor and uh, also consider getting a long COVID test. There's a, an inflammatory test uh, that Radiance Diagnostics does that was developed by Dr. Bruce Patterson and uh, he lectured when uh, Richard and I were in Orlando and it's amazing the correlation there is between Lyme, chronic fatigue, chronic um, chronic uh, uh, COVID that shows up on this test.
5: Are, are you accepting the like, uh, uh, patients or? Yes, we both are. Okay. Um, well, let me get you. Th- th-
1: no, so Dr. you'll have Hor- to uh, look for us online. You know where to find Dr. Um, uh, Horowitz. He, it's it's uh, cangetbetter.com and functionalmedicineflorida.com is my website. So you can look us up there. And um, I think we're going to move on to the next caller. Have a great day, Ralph. I think is on the line.
6: Yeah, hi, hi, doctor. Hey, how are you today? I'm I'm, I'm hanging in there. I've had been diagnosed with Lyme like five. I'm going with six year ago. Now they tested. They say I have it. Then they say I don't have. I have bands. I don't have bands. I've been uh, diagnosed with S. Beam bars. Now I don't have any joint pains. No, I don't have any pain whatsoever. that that relates to anything like that. But my problem is I'm uh, tired, not so much um, tired as uh, like just can't do anything, but I have high anxiety, that's nervousness, and I feel like every day I wake up, I feel like I'm drunk. I feel like somebody drugged me. and I, I can think all right, and I can still function like that, but I don't have any... I only feel good when I'm just laying on the bed or something. I can hardly do things because I used to do things all the time. I'm not overweight. I don't have any other medical conditions. And uh, I just can't. I've been to different places to try to do this uh, fix, but uh, nobody has ever helped me. Anything I've ever taken has never helped me for one hour. And I've been taking different stuff constantly. And uh, I don't know what I really have in me now. I have blood tests done, but I haven't really... I had the mold test. I have all that done. It could come back negative. I had any metals, all that. So I really don't know what is wrong with me, but I'm not normal. I just don't feel my normal self.
2: So, Ralph, the the advice I would give you on this, um, again, just going back to the 16-point MSIDS. So, first of all, if you've been diagnosed with Lyme and you've had it for years, again, these persistent biofilm forms... Uh, there what I'm finding is really causing a lot of the inflammation and why people are sick. So um, it's really worth looking at this eight-week Dapsone protocol, again, assuming you don't have Babesia-BART. But again, for that kind of fatigue, 95% of my patients have low adrenal function. So if we do a DHEA salivary test, looking at DHEA and cortisol levels, we find that a lot of these people have low hormones. The men have low testosterone. They have low adrenal um, a lot of the Lyme patients don't fall asleep easily. It takes hours. They keep waking up, so they're chronically sleep deprived. the The trick is always getting to the sources of where the inflammation's coming from, which, again, in my world, is the three B's: Babesia, Borrelia, Lyme, and Bartonella. The microbiome with food allergies, um, not getting to sleep, mineral deficiencies, and and again with the mold test. It, there's many different mold tests out there. The one we use is Real Time Labs which is in Texas but it has to be done with glutathione to pull those toxins about an hour before the test and we find that sweating infrared saunas or uh, a hot bath makes a difference in mobilizing the toxins similarly you can do a blood test for the heavy metals but it's very transient a 6 hour urine dmsa challenge will pick it up in the tissues so you know these these metals and molds and all these toxins we're exposed to hundreds to thousands of them every day uh, they're they're in all of us and uh, it's just a question of kind of digging a little deeper sometimes for people to see if they're there, but I would suggest looking at the MSIDS model, speaking to your doctor about the Um, you're the kind of patient who comes to me all day long, and we get 95, 98, 99% of these people better. They're not always what I would call cured or in full remission. The, The biggest problem I have is Bartonella, which we're trying to figure out the last piece, but the last couple of years with dapsone has turned around a lot of these people. This is not a long term treatment.
6: It's it's eight weeks. When you say dapsone, is that a, is that a medicine or that's a protocol of a of a way you do it?
2: It's a it's a medicine. It's been out for probably about seventy years. The drug was used for leprosy with rifampin. Okay. and what I okay. did is I took their protocol, used it with a tetracycline like doxycycline, added biofilm agents. Um, and we finding that when we give this protocol to people, and again, it's published in the literature, anyone can go online, find the protocol, work with their doctors. Uh, yeah. I made sure that it's available to the general public.
6: Very good. I, I've I've had those other tests. My uh, my my th- uh, testosterone is up to uh, I'm like almost 600 and my B 12 up high five, 600 and something. I mean, all those other things that you had mentioned, I had most of it is done. Not as excessive as you said as far as the uh, metals, but the other tests, I've had them all done and they can never find anything wrong with me as far as that went. But... I like right, it, right, so it, it
2: may cool be other places, cool. like they may not have checked you for POTS dysautonomia, which is low blood pressure, which affects about 40-50% of the Lyme patients, or yeah. you've just not been treated with a persister drug and biofilm agents. Uh, you know, so it, it could some where the adrenals are low and they haven't checked. It could be something as simple as that, which might make you feel better.
6: That's what I need. All right, I'll do uh, I'll do that, and I'll look to research this up.
2: Very good, to and good to luck to you. Feel better.
6: I appreciate it. Thank you
1: for your time. You know, it's interesting. We usually have a few more callers and emails, and I'm wondering if it's because we're in Florida and people think that Lyme disease is something for Connecticut. Um, I, I Maybe we could address that, Rich.
2: Oh, they found right now, the last uh, studies that have been done is Florida it's right in the middle of an expansion of tick-borne disorders. Um, the Lone Star tick, for example, which started from the Lone Star Tate, Texas, is now all the way up and down the eastern seaboard. That particular tick transmits a whole bunch of different infections like tularemia, erlichia, alpha-gal, rickettsia, like Rocky Mountain spotted fever, uh, star-eye viruses. There's a lot of different ticks out there. The Ixodes tick is the one that causes Lyme but also beryllium miyamotoi, which is hard tick relapsing fever. So, you know, the problem is when people are sick, you've got to take out a net and go fishing. And when you go fishing, you're generally not going to just look for Lyme. You got to look for about, you know, 10 or 12 other tick-borne infections that are out there that are getting into people. So i I suggest for people in Florida, if you think it's not there, I guarantee you we've had quite a few patients from Florida come. All the research is showing that it is definitely spreading through Florida.
1: I think we got some attention there. Phil is on the line. Hello. Good day. Hi.
5: Um, I was up in northern Florida camping in the spring and did get two ticks on me. I got them out before they buried in deep or anything, but I did have some bites. And this was in March, and the bites... I can still see them on my thigh, and every now and then they will flare up.
2: So, what with the you? bites, first of all, there are most, of the, they will say with Lyme that it can take uh, 24, 36, 48 hours to transmit, but it can be faster if the tick has partially fed and it's in the salivary glands. But there are infections uh, which can get in within minutes. For example, the Powassan virus, uh, that gets in within 15 minutes rickettsial infections like rocky mountain gets in with 10 and relapsing fever borrelia hermsi, gets in within five minutes now uh, even though those bites flare up and you see things have you gotten sick with fatigue aches and pains memory issues headaches uh, sleep issues has anything come up or you just seeing things around the bite areas
5: Uh, no but a, a few of the things you mentioned first are on a regular basis
2: Okay. So, so if you have some of those symptoms there, again, looking at the MSIDS model, looking at the 16 point model and getting evaluated for Lyme, I think people, people don't realize that we're in a full blown epidemic. Um, you know, COVID has kind of taken over, but this recent study that got published this year that 14.5% of the global population has been exposed to Lyme. It, it should tell people that anybody at this point who's tired has aches and pains headaches, can't fall asleep, has memory issues, anxiety, depression, chest pain, shortness of breath. These are all symptoms of Lyme. Now, they're also symptoms of other diseases, but the Lyme part has to be ruled out. And you know, my go-to lab, as I mentioned earlier, is Igenix because they don't just check for one strain of Lyme. They check for at least seven or eight different strains, which are the most common ones in the United States. So if you can get your doctor to do an IgM, IgG immunoblot, uh, which is a recombinant DNA test for Mygenix, and also check for Bartonella babesia, um, you may get some clues to your illness. But again, I'm always going to, with Fred, tell you a good functional medicine doc is always useful because even though the classical board-certified docs may be good in certain areas, when you start getting into complex chronic disease medicine, it's like the gentleman on the line earlier. Uh, you know, the VA was giving him medicine for pain. They were treating the end symptoms, but they weren't getting to the underlying sources of where the problem is. That's really the key to medicine. You've got to get to the underlying sources. Yep. Okay.
5: All righty. I will try to find a good functional doctor
1: in Pinellas County then. They're Very good, there, man. Good luck, Phil. Thank you. Hey, here's, here's an... Here's a nice uh, email that came in. Uh, I think it's really appropriate. Do mosquitoes here in Florida, do mosquitoes carry Lyme? Uh, it's an interesting question. They found
2: that Borrelia has been in mosquitoes, but they've never proven that it it can transmit it. Uh, most of the things we're worried about these days with the mosquitoes have more to do with uh, ding fever, right? I mean, which is now even spreading in, in Florida at this point in time. Uh, Zika viruses, some of the flavivirus infections now are spreading. Uh, Chikungunga viruses, like 1.5 million people in the North America area. So no, the mosquitoes are not, they're not carrying Lyme, but they're carrying other things at this point, like West Nile, which yeah. we are seeing in
1: about six, 7% of our population who are testing positive for it. Right. There's a lot of infectious agents out there. And the key is, again, keep the, ter- the, the terrain healthy. You got to work on yourself to keep this from happening. So interesting, um, questions. You, you, you go to Igenics. That's not available for any. Is it worth it to do the standard LabCorp, Quest, um, uh, ELISA or, or, um, uh, Western Blot? You know, it's fine to do it, uh, but just don't rely on it when it comes back negative.
2: So if you're going to, if you're going to use Quest or LabCorp or BioReference, some of the big labs, you have to understand they're only using one strain of Borrelia when there's seven or eight major strains that are circulating. So if you do get back a Western blot, and a lot of times if you have a negative ELISA, the lab won't even run the Western blot. But assuming you do get a Western blot, you're going to play a game called Lime Bingo. And the game Lyme bingo is you're going to look for up to five different bands or numbers on the Western blot that tell you whether you've been exposed to Borrelia burgdorferi or a Borrelia species. Those numbers are 23, which represent the outer surface protein C of the organism. 31, the outer surface protein A. Now, if you're getting that one through LabCorp Quest, that can overlap with Epstein-Barr
1: autoimmune. So the 31 is not as specific. Before you 34, go on, I think, I think really the, the answer here is go ahead and do it. If it's negative, it doesn't mean you don't have it. Look at your questionnaire online. Do the questionnaire. If you have come up with positive numbers on the questionnaire, you're likely to need a functional medicine doctor.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: but but you can
2: still use the Western blot Looking at 23, 31, 34, 39, or the 83, 93 band. So let's right. say the questionnaire says you have a moderate to high probability of having Lyme. You have good and bad days. The symptoms come and go. Your joint pain, muscle pain, or nerve pain, tingling, numbness, burning, stabbing, moves around your body. Your cognition's off. And then you do a lab core quest and it has even one of those numbers 23, 31, 34, 39, 93. You have been exposed to a Borrelia species. right? Then you may want to follow up with, again, doctors who have experience with this and, and use IGenics Laboratory to get better testing. But it can give you clues. You just, as Fred said, you can't rely upon it
1: 100%. So we have uh, another caller in line, Melanie. We have a, make this a short one. We're down to the end. <laughs> Are you there, Melanie?
7: Yes, I am. Thank you so much for taking my call, Dr. Harvey. And thank you, Dr. Richard Horowitz. And I know I only have a moment, but I wanted to, I'm grateful, first of all, for both of you and your knowledge. But I wanted to thank you, Dr. Horowitz, because our son Jacob has Lyme disease, and um, he has no longer been really affected by it. There were days where I couldn't even get him out of bed, and he completely changed his diet. He went plant-based. We read, why can't I get better, as well as how can I get better, and I think through diet and exercise, he, he really, I know it is laying dormant in his body, but he has not had an episode in over two years, and I want to thank you for all your knowledge and your books. They have been fabulous, but I do have a question. Someone said that stevia actually helps with Lyme disease. Is
2: that true? The uh, the study on stevia, which was done through Eva Schoppe's lab at the University of New Haven, and it's a very specific brand through Nutramedics. In culture, they did show that stevia did have some effect on the biofilm forms of lime. So we do use their stevia along with cinnamon clove, oregano oil, peppermint oil, biocidin. We use a whole bunch of biofilm agents, but yes, it does look like it's effective. And um, the thing is, is, you know, if your son is that well, it would go back to what Fred was saying earlier on the terrain. You know, if he's exercising and getting enough sleep and you cleaned up his diet and, you know, he's off gluten and sensitive foods and doesn't have mast cell, a lot of these people do get better. But you're right. If he's never done a biofilm agent or a persister drug, it may be lying and hiding. If he ever does get sick in the future that's where you may want to look at this very short course Zone protocol for your son um, because it really has given back li- you know, lives to people that have been sick for 20, 30 years. So it gives hope to the Lyme community. Going back where Fred started, where we started today, about giving hope, that protocol and, and the 16-point MCIDS factors does give hope. So I'm really happy your son is doing as well as he is. Yeah, well,
7: and I do have hope. That's what I have every day of our lives. That's what our family deals with so much, but hope gets us Wonderful. Through.
1: That's what it's about. Take care, Melanie. Hey, Richard, Uh I want to thank you for coming on here. This has been amazing, great show. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, We didn't get to some of the questions, some really good questions. Sorry about that. This was uh, really a lot of dense information. Maybe you'll come back someday for us, Rich. (laughs) Be be happy to do it, Fred. Next week, we're going to talk Gulf War Syndrome with Layla Abdullah, uh, a researcher at Ross Camp Institute in, in University of South Florida. Looking forward to that. Have a great week, folks. Um, Stay healthy and uh, keep taking your healthy steps.